Good morning. I hope everyone's had a good week this week, and I just want to say that I hope the Lord's blessed you with a wonderful Sunday so far. Um, I know the, the singing this morning was surely a blessing to you, and we thank Brother Braden Williamson for, uh, for offering us the special singing this morning. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 16, starting in verse 17 this morning. If you want to get turned there, we'll go ahead and uh, go over a few announcements. We're going to be back online tonight at 7. Sister Amber Sparks will be doing our special singing. And we'll be finishing up the book of Romans 16 tonight. And then Wednesday night we'll be back online at 7 on Facebook and YouTube, as well as on Spotify and other podcast services. Um, and we pray that you tune in and, uh, and, and, and just be blessed by an opportunity to get into God's Word together. Um, I pray everyone is safe and having a, uh, an opportunity to grow and be refreshed in God. We look forward to being together in His house real soon again, we hope. Um, but right now, as we continue to watch the numbers climb and things, the most important thing we can do right now is pray. Uh, be much in prayer for our county, our state, our, our health people, our folks working in the nursing homes and in the hospitals especially, but also those out working in stores, restaurants, anywhere that they're on, out there on that front line uh, trying to fight this uh, enemy that we cannot see, uh, but we know is out there and is lurking. So let this be much in prayer. Be much in prayer for our churches in our area. We've seen that there's several more outbreaks in local churches in the last uh, week or so. So just be much in prayer for those as well. So before we get started in God's Word this morning, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Most kind, gracious, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to teach your Word, Lord. We know it ain't the way that maybe it was originally designed being here together, Lord, but, but we know, Lord, that where your Word is taught and your Word is preached, that that seed is planted, Lord, and that someone will water, Lord, and you will give the increase. And we have faith, Lord, and through the working of the power of your word. We pray, Lord, as we teach and preach your word this morning, Lord, that you give us the ability to, to do it in power and truth, Lord, that you give us anointing from on high, a filling of your spirit, Lord, that we may be able to do that. We will guide our words and our thoughts, Lord, that may be faithful and obedient to you. We thank you for your blood, Lord, that was shed on Calvary for us, Lord. Thank you for our salvation, and in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. All right, starting in the book of Romans 16, starting in verse 17 through verse 23 this morning. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And thy good works and fair speeches deceive the words, sorry, deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, as Paul is starting out here, speaking to the church of Rome, we've He's in an area here where he's talked about greetings and, and, and how these different brothers and sisters he mentions here and the work they're doing. But he's very clear in the middle of all this that there are people in the local assembly that are not doing what God wants them to do. So they're causing divisions. Now, we need to realize that there is never... A good reason, well, let me back up a second. When we look at churches that have had divisions, and some of them had to break off and start new churches, in my personal experience, about 90% of the time, it's not for biblical reasons. That's not to say there's not biblical reasons. We're going to look at both of those this morning. The devil likes to sow division. Look at Cain and Abel. The first thing the devil did was sow discord. 
Look at Adam and Eve. He goes and attacks Eve. He don't go attack both. He goes and attacks Eve. Then Eve brings Adam along for the ride. The devil is always trying to sow discord because we see there is power in unity. If we look at the building or the construction of the Tower of Babel, we see that the people building that tower, now they were not building it for the right reasons, but they were building the tower in one mind and one accord. And because they were working in one mind, one accord toward a common goal, God eventually had to step out and stop them because they were going to possibly be successful. The same thing is true 2020 for the modern church. If we do things in one mind, in one accord, in unity, working towards a common goal, not sowing division, not allowing division to creep up, it's amazing what can be accomplished. It's amazing what God can do through a group of unified believers. And see, a lot of times, the things that cause division are opinion-based, not Bible-based. I have seen churches split over the temperature of a sanctuary. It's true. I've seen churches split over the style of music. And that's not to say there's not biblical qualifications for music, but it wasn't a biblical issue. It was a preference issue. People have split for the silliest of things. And I've learned in my few years as pastor, one of the most critical things sometimes that can be done is keeping the division down. Because the devil's trying to create it in every church. And if you don't see it, that's because, praise God, your leaders have done an awesome job to try to do their best to keep it from happening. Because, again, most of the things the devil wants us to divide over are not things worth dividing over. I've learned, even in my position, there are times that I'll be in a business meeting and I may hear something and say, oh, I just don't like that idea. But if it's not a biblical issue, I do not have the right as a pastor to forbid, to forbid it. I can express my opinion as a member of a, of, a, of a local body, but at the end of the day, it is a congregational rule in a Baptist church. It's the way it is. And we need to respect that. And I heard a great friend of mine years ago that was a deacon in another church, and they was having a vote that night before a service, and he disagreed with the overall vote, and he said a very important and biblical thing. He said when he lost his vote, people began to apologize. And he stopped and said, no, do not apologize to me. He said, I had my thought, I had my opinion, I expressed it, and the church ruled, and I, I go along with the body and the, the, the decision of the church. That's the way it has to be. And that's true for the local assembly. When the church has decided on something, if it is not against God's word, then the church as a whole needs to support the decision of the majority. It's not always easy to do. But it's the only way we can be effective as a church. We have to support the majority. Whether we agree with it emotionally and opinionally or not. Now, there are good reasons for division. If a church gets on to some foreign doctrine that is not biblical in their teaching or preaching, it is time to, for division. Now, there's ways that we take care of this. You don't just split instantly. You have to confront the problem. 
through the steps lined out in the Bible about going one-to-one, going as a group, and bringing it in front of the church. Now, if I'm a member of a local church and it goes in front of the church and the church rules on the matter in a way that is not biblical, it is time for me to separate to maintain good doctrinal teaching. To be quite honest, now I'm a young man, but I very rarely have I seen that be the case in divisions. It, it can happen and it does happen. But that's sadly not the common reason. You see, we need to be sure as believers, as part of local assemblies, whether you're part of the local assembly here at Mountaineer or you're part of another local assembly somewhere else, we need to be sure we're doing all possible to maintain unity inside our local assembly. During times such as now when we can't meet and see each other or be together, that's even more challenging to be done. But it does not change that there is a mission that the church is supposed to be in one mind again and one accord. God gave us a common purpose. Before Jesus left, he told the disciples to go out and create disciples. Now, if we're spending our time arguing, backbiting, busybodying, gossiping, blasting each other, it's never going to get done. It's the same reason why, and this may offend some of you, but I'm going to say it anyways, this is the same why there is no reason to have politics behind a pulpit in a church. No reason ever, period. That is not to say we should not preach against sin in the society, but it is to say that there is not a man, a party, or anything else that is worthy of our worship, and we come together, join together, to worship the Lord, Lord, and King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and nothing or no one else. And I say that being probably the, most, the least political person you've ever dealt with, Because if we stick to what is in this book, it cannot cause division. I want you to think about that. If you go into a group of believers, say there's 50 people in a room, you're going to find Democrats, you're going to find Republicans, you're going to find Independents, Libertarians, you're going to find people that, that are for this cause and for that cause, people who support this society issue and that society issue, people who are for public schooling, people who are for private schooling, and everything in between. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Because God has called people from very different backgrounds together and saved us that we can be unified behind this, His Word, the teachings and, and, and the preachings of God's Holy Word. Now, if it's in His Word... That's, that's a done deal. We cannot be division. We can't be divisive. We can't, we can't alter. We have to base everything on this. But if it's not his word, we have a right to our opinion. And we shouldn't blast someone because their opinion is different. We shouldn't condemn someone because their opinion is different. I would guarantee being a, a 34, almost 35-year-old male, my opinion is probably different than most church members in Appalachia because most of them are quite a bit older than me and their experience in their lives have been quite a bit different than mine. And that's okay. Because that is not what unifies us as believers of Jesus Christ. Again, 
It's His Word. It's the same Spirit that dwells in me dwells in you. And that should bring us together. That should make us love each other. Because again, remember, and we teach this in grade school, but we lose it somewhere when we become adults. We tell our kids in grade school that everyone is different and it's okay. But we teach the kids to respect differences, to love differences, to encourage differences. Because if God made us all the same, it would be a boring place. We've all heard the lesson. We got it in kindergarten. Then we grow up and become teenagers and adults, and we start saying, well, he don't look like me. He don't look like me. He don't vote like me. He don't act like me. He don't eat like me. He's stupid. That's wrong. It's wrong. Right here should be the only thing that we have to come to an agreement on. Only thing. And we even see it taught in the Bible because the Bible shows us that there are certain things the Bible just it don't give us a black or white answer on. And in those things we have liberty in Christ Jesus and we must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Can't go wrong if you do. Can't go wrong. I've heard a person even go as far as, I mean, you're all kinds of crazy teachings out there. That if, and it's not biblical teachings. It's so sad. So sad. That's why I like to go verse from verse, word to word, chapter to chapter, because if I stay in the bounds of the Bible, I can't get on a, a tear. Folks, there's so much of this Bible. It would take a lifetime to preach the whole counsel of God, really. It really will. There's been a few pastors I know in their lifetime, they've all went on to be with the Lord, has actually accomplished that. They've literally preached the whole Bible verse by verse. Not straight through, they've jumped back and forth between the books, and that's fine. But they preached the whole book, verse to verse, in one church, and went on to be with the Lord. And praise God. Praise God that they were able to do that. Because they literally preached the whole counsel of God, which is what we are called to do. And the Bible's clear. Paul tells us, he says, if someone's causing division, mark them. Mark them. It means you call them out on it. Again, we give you the biblical way of doing this. You go to them one-on-one. Go to them as a group. Go and bring them in front of the church. That's the biblical. The Bible bears that out. That's the way to do it. You don't allow people to cause division. Um, I, I've said numerous times that a, belief, a member of a local church should never Never, never, never be in the community talking poorly about the church you're a member of. I don't care what church you're a member of. It's up to you, whatever the Lord leads you. But you should never be bad-mouthing your church in the community. What does that cause? It causes division. Limits the power of your church because people say, well, I don't want to go there. Their member says this, this, and this about it. Because here's the thing. There is no such thing as a perfect local church. It does not exist. Because the minute it becomes uh, governed by humans, we are, we are not perfect, so what we're governing cannot be perfect. The Lord's universal church is perfect because he's made us perfect because we're washing the blood, but his local assembly is not going to be. And if you want to pick out faults and failures in your local assembly, you can do it easy. But you know what? You can also pick out a lot of good. And we have a choice to make on how we represent ourselves and represent our organizations we can do it by pointing out every fault and failure that it has, or we can point out a lot of the good that it does. Same thing with your spiritual leaders, your pastor that you should be praying for, or whoever it is. Let me tell you something. They're, they all, we, we all have faults. All spiritual leaders besides Jesus Christ has faults, 
And you can easily pick out the faults. We can talk about the good. Here's what I practice in my life, or I've tried to anyways. As I mature in my faith, I get better at it. When I see faults, I talk to God about the faults, whether it be for a, a, a brother or sister or whether it be for a, a church or whatever. I try to talk to God about those faults because I know he can correct those faults. But when it comes to the good things, I want to tell everybody about the good things. Because I want people to know how awesome my local church is. I want people to know how awesome my God is. I want people to know how awesome the teachers are. I want people to know the good things. Folks, let's be careful about causing division. It's happening in the church in Rome. We know it's happening today. And it tells us. If people are teaching offenses contrary to the doctrine, which you know is biblical, you need to avoid them. That's why there is some churches that I get invited to that I will not attend. I, I love the people there. It's nothing personal, but I know what they teach, and I know what the Bible says, and because of that, I'm not going to go there. Now, if I run to them in the store, I'm going to talk to them, be friendly, I'm not going to be mean to them. But there's no place for me there. Because I find their doctrine to be contrary to what the Word of God teaches. You see, not every church with a cross over the door is really a church of Jesus. Now that's not real acceptable in today's society, but it's true. Not everyone teaches. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not everyone teaches that. You add to or take away from that, you, you change the gospel. Now that's a big problem because you just change the method of salvation. And the minute you say anything besides Jesus Christ can save me, you just literally talk down about my God. I don't like that. I don't, I don't tolerate that well. Now again, I'll be friendly and loving and caring to anyone as we should be. I don't care what your religion is. If we work together, if we're, and the, we can be friends and whatever, but it doesn't mean we're going to worship together. And that's okay. Uh, again, I have a little lady of another religion that calls ever so often, and and she shares her, her faith with me, and uh, I try to get to share a little bit of my faith with her when we're on the phone. Uh, we'll, we'll never attend church together, I don't figure, unless I convert her, because uh, she ain't going to convert me. Um, but the reality is we're still friendly. She still calls. I still answer. We still talk. We don't fight. There's never a heated conversation. We disagree sometimes. We disagree quite often. And I avoid her, but I, when it comes to how we worship, I would not entertain the doctrine that I feel like is against God's Word. But at the same time, I love her. We should love everyone. Christ loved the unlovable. We should love the unlovable. It doesn't mean that we hang out with them, we spend time, it doesn't mean we worship together, but it means we can love them. Bible says the goodness of God is what brings people to a place of repentance. And if we're going to be happy to understand the goodness of God, His church has got to represent that goodness fairly well. And I don't know if we're doing that today in America. And that troubles me and saddens me to see it happen. I, uh, as of before I left the house just now, it's technically Thursday when I'm recording this, even though I'm, we're, I'm got on here to Sunday school. I left the house and, and, I, and I told my wife, I said, I have to get off social media. I said, there's too much negativity and toxicity. I mentioned it on here before, but it's not like it's getting worse and worse and worse and not better. And it's bringing me down. And I said, I just need less of this in my life. Because I, I see 
Jesus' church spending less time preaching the gospel of Christ and more time spreading all kinds of hate and uh, toxicity all over social media. And, and that, that bothers me, troubles me, because I know how important of a mission we have. We need to keep first things first. Make sure we're sharing good biblical doctrine. And be careful what you listen to. Not all Christian music is really Christian music. Be careful of the words. There's so many songs, even in even sometimes in these old hymnals, that don't really exalt Christ. They exalt self. Let me tell you something. I want my songs to exalt and lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to worship Him. Um, and I, I could get on a tear about this, but there, there are so many songs that you hear sometimes that it's just not, it's just not Bible. It's just not biblical lyrics. We need to be careful of those things. Be careful of what you share on social media. There's some really horrible teachers out there that um, parade themselves as Christian pastors or teachers that really don't have a, they're not very biblical in their teaching. You need to be very wary of who you're sharing or what you're sharing um, because if they don't believe in the, and the truth of God's Word, we need to be careful about that. Very careful about that. Uh, again, first things first. Jesus Christ must be first. God has to be first. It can't not be. cannot be anything else. Uh, even, you know, I love my country. I, I thank God he, I was born in, in my opinion, the greatest state and the greatest country in the world. However, at the end of the day, my allegiance, my number one allegiance is to God. I love my country. I don't worship my country. I worship God. I love my state. I don't worship my state. I worship God. God is the only being worthy of our worship. And Paul really goes, takes this a step farther, and he says, those that are doing these things that are sowing division and not rooted in good biblical teaching. They don't serve Jesus Christ. They serve themselves. They're worried about furthering their own agenda. And I got news for you. Anytime anyone names... Again, another thing that irritates me. Anytime someone name drops Jesus Christ in order to make a dollar or to something, that absolutely just fires me up. Because nothing, nothing should rob the Lord of the proper glory that He deserves. We should not use God in a form or fashion just to get our way. We should not use God in a form or a fashion just to further our agenda. And we're seeing it over and over and over again in so many different um, avenues. Again, whether it be businesses, whether it be companies, whether it be uh, political things or whatever, they want to put a cross on something and try to market it as being this is Jesus's bank or this is Jesus's HVAC company or whatever. Um, and there's nothing wrong with sharing your testimony through your business. Praise God for people who use their business and their uh, employment to further testimony. But we also must be very careful that we are using it to further our testimony and not looking at it as, as something else. We must be careful, be weary of how we use the name of our Lord. 
Make sure it's not. That word belly there is just about their own belly. It means their own body. They're doing it to share their own body. But we should be careful with our words and our speeches and that they not be deceptive to the innocent. You know, there's a lot of people listening to the church. Not just the pastor, but the church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of His church. If people in your workplace are wanting to listen to what you have to say. People are looking for the truth in your speeches. I had a situation where I was uh, leaving a church one time. And on the way, after the church, it was Sunday morning, on the way home, I stopped at a, a store and got a, a pop that I diet Pepsi. Back when I still drunk diet Pepsi. And I stopped at this diet Pepsi and I'm at the cash register and I put it up there with a few other items. And I look and the number was just way low. And I told her, I said, did you get this pop? And she said, no, I must have missed that. She said, you know, I saw after I put it in that I missed it. And I was curious if you'd catch me because I see you're wearing a suit and I'm assuming at the time of the day you're leaving the church. So I guess I know you're legitimate now. Now, that might have been an unfair test. I don't know. That's not me to judge. But the important thing was, if I had done the easy thing and just walked out that door, I mean, what's a buck fifty, really? Walked out the door, I could have heard her testimony. I mean, so I could have heard her witness of me. And in the meantime, it's not even bringing me down, I'm bringing my God down. So I have to be careful what I say and what I do because my actions and my words have impact. The actions and the words that you say and do have a major impact. A great theologian said it, and I can't quote which one it was, I don't remember, maybe Martin Luther, but he said that God doesn't need your good works, your neighbor does. And that's so true. Because, let's face it, the Bible shows us very clear that we're, we're, we're wretched creatures. That God, by His divine grace, saves not our works, but the works of Christ. But it's our good works that He does through us that leads our lost neighbor, friends, and loved ones to Him. Folks, we must be aware. We must be very cautious. Verse 19 says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men, I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, because I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So not only does Paul want the church in Rome to understand that which is good, he wants them to understand about evil as well. He wants them to understand what verse 20 says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Paul is clear with the church. Division is evil. Anyone who comes into a church and sows seeds of division are evil. That's what gossiping does. That's what busybodying does. That's what backstabbing does. That's what being carnal Christian does. It causes division. It sows seeds of division. Talking about people. Blasting people uh, uh, about they're doing this or that or whatever. That, that's not productive. It's causing division. And it's evil, Paul says. Teaching false doctrine is certainly evil. And Bible goes on to say... Uh, another, in another book that teachers are going to be held to a higher standard because they have such a large influence over the church with the teaching of God's Word. That's why teachers and preachers must be very careful what comes out of their mouth. Very careful. I would rather say too little than too much. Because too much can be a lot more harmful sometimes than too little. But Paul goes on to say that while this evil is a huge problem, while we are here, a day and time is going to come that was spoken of all the way back in the book of Genesis where Jesus Christ will crush evil. 
And we see that at the great white throne judgment, when all those who oppose Christ were bound up and cast into the lake of fire, they're condemned. I got news for you. We're all condemned in the flesh. We're all born lost, unsaved. We all are in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way Satan could be crushed under feet is by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he overcame Satan. Satan was defeated right there. He's been, he's been given a little bit of time here for the church to come in to the faith. And in that period of time, Satan's wreaking havoc. But Satan is not a god. Satan is a fallen angel. He's a created being. And he is already being condemned to hell. His time is running out. Evil's time, because when Satan's gone, evil's gone. The purifying of this world will take place at the judgment. But I got news for you. If you're unsaved, your time's running out too. And I say that with utmost seriousness. Because the reality is we are on a play clock. Time is going forth every second. Every second is one moment closer to eternity. Even if Christ does not return in your lifetime, and he's going to return, but even if he doesn't return in your lifetime, eventually your life will run out. The one thing that COVID hopefully should have told us, really made all of us awaken to, is the certainty of death. We've seen like 100, maybe 160,000 people so far dying in this country since it's all started, just from COVID. That's not counting heart attacks, strokes, everything else along the way. I'm just using this as an example. There have been men, They've been women. They've been children. They've been good people. They've been bad people. Everyone in between. Death is not prejudice. Death comes for everyone. As certain as death is, so is judgment. Now you have a choice where you stand in judgment. Will you stand in a position of faith in Christ? Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So our wage is what we earn. And we've all sinned, the Bible says, we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. So we've all earned death. We've all earned hell. We've all earned condemnation. All of us. The Bible says that none of us are good. No, not one of us are good. Because we're comparing ourselves to God. Now you may be good compared to the dude down the road, but are you good compared to God? And the answer is no. None of us is. Guess what? God provided a way for forgiveness. He provided a way of grace, a way of mercy. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The only way sins can be forgiven is that blood is shed. Our forgiveness comes by the blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, speaking of Jesus. So through the Lamb of God, through Jesus Christ, death on the cross, we may have salvation by placing our faith in Him and crying out to a holy, righteous God and asking for forgiveness, believing in faith that the death of Jesus Christ was enough. Was enough. It was enough. 
Jesus on the cross, he said, it is finished. Which means, if we want to translate a little bit better, paid in full. It is paid in full. The sin debt has been paid in full. You, If you are unsaved, you have a sin debt on you right now that you owe to God that you cannot pay. And either you're going to face His righteous judgment for every sin you've ever committed, or that judgment can be placed on Christ if you place your faith in Him and call out to God for salvation. It's your choice. I wish I could make it for you. I made mine quite a while ago. And it's just like that song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Not every day is easy. Not every day is a success. Not every day is good. But every day is great in the Lord because we have received joy which is unspeakable. This has been a very difficult uh, month. I've been, I had a period of time I was pretty sick. I've been very uh, stressed by things going on, but yet, at the end of the day, I have a Lord that's looking out for me. The only way you have that this morning is if you cry out to Him in faith, trusting His Son, Jesus Christ, for your salvation, His Son, Jesus Christ, alone, and asking God to save you. So we, we close out in prayer this morning. I want to encourage you right where you are. If you never asked, never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, place your faith in Him and ask God to save you. Let us pray. Most kind, gracious, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to present your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you forgive us for the times we sin and fall short, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would use our, our efforts in a mighty way. Use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to touch the hearts of those that are listening, that people would be more unified behind your word, Lord, and that those that are unsaved will turn to your Son Christ before it is too late. Lord, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for the blood shown on Calvary. Thank you for our little church here. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for everything. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Uh, we thank you for tuning in and listening this morning. We'll be back this evening at 7. Uh, we hope you're with us then again. Amber Sparks will be doing the special singing. Um, if you ever have any questions, any comments about the message or the lesson, or if you feel God has saved you, we encourage you to send us a message, uh, email us, call us. We'd love to, to hear from you. God bless you. We pray the Lord bless you with a wonderful day. See you this evening.